0: You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. You know, we're going to talk about it. it's a perfect day to, to see Lucas make this commitment and then others on their second service. Um, and I just believe that it's so important. This is this is part of a local gathering of, uh, of believers and those who are looking for God you know we call it the local church but this is where it's this is where it happens this is where it's exciting because i believe that when we come together and we do these things these uh, celebrating what we call the lord's supper and also baptism these are the the challenges that christ gave to us the commandments that christ gave to us to celebrate as a church and the reason is i always think of baptism is like going to a wedding when I go to a wedding, I squeeze my wife's hand a little bit harder, and uh, it's just kind of a renewal, and it's so exciting for us to see people who've committed their lives uh, to Christ. Somebody came in this morning that's more encouraged right now than you were 15 minutes ago, because we saw the, we saw this family uh, commit their their uh, their lives to follow Christ, and we're going to talk about that as as we go forward. So um, we just started this new collection of conversations that is about designed how we've been designed and so each week I'm just going to reiterate the importance of that in the sense that we are we always find that whatever is invented if we understand the intention of that invention what the inventor had in mind then we have a higher chance of actually maximizing the use of whatever that thing is so for example, if you drive like me a Lamborghini, as I said last week, just kidding. Uh, but if you only kept it in third gear, you're probably, you know, you could, you could get, you know, a, a different car. You're not maximizing what that car was designed to do. And so we go back to this, this sense of the first page of the Bible, this creation story that we, we have where we not only see what God did in such a miraculous way, But we also understand what God's intentions were as the way he designed us through the creation story. Last week, as we kicked this conversation off, we we saw that God made everything to be alive. That we were created not to live only biologically, but we're also created to live spiritually. That we are separated from God until we have this intersection that we've seen today Where someone says, I am tired of living on my own. I sense by instinct there's a separation from God, no matter how religious you might be, by the way. No matter how many good things we do in life, we need this gap settled. We need this gap bridged. And the only bridge between humans and God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Some people see that statement as narrow-minded, as if Christ is the only way. Well, Christ is the only way because Christ is the only one who came as the perfect lamb of God, who laid himself on a cross, that we could find that we could be right through God, not by our own effort, behavior modification or being religious enough, but we find ourselves to be right with God Through the eyes of God looking through the blood of Christ on the cross, through that crucifixion, through that sacrifice, that God accepted him as an offering so that when we come to God, it's not us coming to God by our own efforts, it's us coming to God through Christ. This is what we talk about when we say, Hey, let's exchange our old life for Christ's new one. We don't present ourselves to Christ, to God, and say, Look what, look how much good I've done in the world. Look how I've changed my behavior. None of that counts when it comes to relationship to God. It really is understanding that we come to God and he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the gospel. So everything that God created was intended to to live. But we understand that when you look at the, uh, the opening of the story, it's a very strange story once you get past the first sentence. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. And then we find that, The the earth in that moment in the second verse was chaotic. The the original uh, uh, Hebrew is tohu wabohu. It's almost kind of uh, fun to say. Tohu wabohu. And what that means, it was absolute darkness and swamp like this. It was without void. We read this in the first uh, chapter in verse 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep nothing could grow in that environment there was no light there was no life it was darkness and when you look at this you think this could not be the brilliant design of god this is not the act if you if we could just peer into what the earth looked like in that moment we would say this is not the act of a brilliant god why would God design this? And the backstory of this is quite deep. We won't get into it today. But God then begins to sequence creation. This is why when I talk to those who are atheists or are, are evolutionist or believe in the Big Bang theory or the spore theory, that everything began from a little spore and then just kind of branched out from that point, respectfully, I say, you have more faith than I do. Truly, because even the sequence of the creation story is brilliant. What if God said, let's say let's say I'm God for a minute. Let's say I'm God for a week. I'll go, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm God for a minute. I'm like, hey, let's create plants. Oops, forgot the sun. Let's create plants. Oh, there's no land. So when you look at the sequence of the creation story, It is in a brilliant and necessary and critical order. What God is doing, he said, let there be light first. Well, if anything's going to grow, it's going to need light. Then he begins to separate the waters from the land. That meant there was land under this darkness covering of water. He had to allow the the land to submerge so that things could walk on it and things could grow from within it. And so when you look at the story, I challenge you to go back and look at the brilliant sequence of the creation story. Here's what God was doing. He was creating an environment from which things could grow. That's our, that's, our, th- our, uh, that's the, the theme of our conversation today. We're not only created to live, but we're created to grow. Everything that God created, he created to grow. Yesterday, I went to, uh, I, I took my son, my high school son, to this thing in Orlando, this expo called Reefa Palooza. Reefa Palooza. That's Reefa Palooza. (laughs) Just saying. I'm just going to leave that right there, okay? We have children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like coral reef. I don't know what you guys are thinking. I'm not not sure where I... And there was a saltwater expo, expo, and uh, you know, and and he got back in the car and was showing pictures of all this, these these coral, you know, images and reef images, and and uh, and he said, "Man, D- Dad, one of these corals was four thousand dollars." Like, great, let's go buy a guppy at Kmart. <laughs> and so he 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 was, you know, he was marveling. And not only what God had created, but what God had created to become, to grow. So when you look at this this creation story, it wasn't enough that God just created things to live. (laughs) Let me speak spiritually for a minute. It's not enough that we've had a young man this morning who's exchanged his old life for Christ's new one. Now it's time to grow. You're going to grow up. You're going to get bigger. You're going to get muscles like me. <laughs> no, like your dad. I saw those guns up there. <laughs> and the more you grow, it's going to happen in your, in your relationship with Jesus. You're going to begin to see things and understand things and enjoy things about God. And this is what God intended. God, this is not the stopping place. This is not the finish line, right? We know that. And yet when we see this, here's what we find in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, the word of God, so that by it you may, watch, grow up in your salvation. God placed a plant on the, on the planet, a bush, a tree, and then the then he says, hey, now it's time to grow. Grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This was the design of God. Let's position something to be alive, and then let's give it the capacity to grow. This is the the powerful thing about us as as Christ followers. Watch, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. No matter where you fall, let me go a little heavy for a second. No matter where you fall on on the theme, on the topic of predestination... This, this verse applies to all of us. Listen, Christ, for those who, uh, those who God foreknew, it's our salvation, he also predestined us to grow, to be conformed in the likeness of his son. So let me just go into the classroom for just a second. I heard a brilliant talk last week by one of the leading theologians in, in, in our country. And he was talking about predestination and choice. As if you don't have a choice if you believe in predestination, it's not, it's not, it's not that those things don't have to be separate from one another. In other words, everybody, no matter who, what your theological stand is, God has given us a choice to grow. God has given us a choice to either choose to drink the spiritual milk, to, to delve into the word of God, to spend time with God, to spend time with others, to grow in the garden in which we've been placed. We are not intended to be in this garden as a single plant with no sun, with no uh, water, with no, no nutrients, with no soil. God intended us for, for us to grow and we're growing into, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. There is always an expectation. okay? So the, everything I've said up to this point, I know is it's like, okay, I, I, I can check with that. I'm, I'm okay with that because there's nothing uh, there's nothing really innovative or brilliant about it, and there's nothing innovative or brilliant about anything else I'm going to say. So we can go home. just kidding. Here's where it matters in this conversation about God's intention. We're not only in the place where we have exchanged our old life for Christ and we've come alive, but then we're we're designed to grow. But I will propose to you and can kind of push this a little bit in that there is an expectation that things will grow. So if you invest your funds into a particular stock, your expectation is always that it's going to increase. There's not a, there's not a person alive that says, Man, I'm gonna th- this stock is tanking. I'm gonna put all my funds in that because I hope by the end of next year I've lost half my money. Right? When we have children. We are, our expectations is that they're going to grow. They're going to grow in their intellect, in the, to their reasoning. We're, they're going to grow in their character. And if, we have, if we've led them to that relationship with Christ, they're going to grow spiritually. There's always this expectation. So watch. In Hebrews chapter 5, here's what the Bible says. By this time, speaking to believers, you ought to be teachers. There's an expectation that not only have you been receiving, but you're also going to invest that in other people. Jesus spoke to a man named Nicodemus at one point, And he says this, you're Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. In other words, the expectation is good grief, man. You're a grown man and you don't understand some of the basics of how the spirit of God works. You can feel the expectation of what uh, uh, of God. Sometimes they're, they're, they're God puts something in us, a thought. God puts in us a truth. God puts in us a character development that he wants to do. God puts in us something, and the expectation is it that, that he wants to grow. Watch this. Jesus is walking along the road one day. We, many of us know this story. And there's an expectation early in the morning in Matthew 21. Early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Okay, I want you to file that. He was hungry. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Sometimes we see like at the woman at the well in this story. He was tired. He slept. He was not just this divine being walking around. He understood the human nature. But watch this. He was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. In other words, there was an expectation that the the tree was going to bear fruit. There was an expectation because he understood fig trees. And if you know anything about fig trees, when the leaves are there, the figs are there. That's how it works. So from a distance, he saw, oh, there's a fig tree and I'm hungry. So I'm going to go up to it. And the expectation is there would be something in there to satisfy my hunger. And when he walked up to it, he said, man, it's, it, my expectation has not been met. Then he goes on to explain, I'm talking about the nation of Israel. My expectation is that they would grow, that we, they would be a light to the world, that they would do all these things, and and the expectation has not been met. Anything that grows, let me go a little bit deeper and a little more focused. Anything that grows has a purpose. In other words, the purpose is not met until it's fully grown. So when Jesus was speaking about Nicodemus to Nicodemus, he was like. You see, I can't fully use you yet because you don't have the understanding that you need to be able to do what you need to do. So, if you you have, let's say, you have a doctor, you go to the doctor, and that doctor maybe is in a, a, the maybe is an intern freshman year. Like, and and there's got to be a serious surgeon. Like, I want to know that you have the knowledge in order to do the procedure on my body. Right? There was an expectation. With all of the disciples, before I launch you into the world, you've got to know this. Before you can teach, you've got to know this. Before you can be effective, we have to grow up to a certain stage because those things that are stunted cannot be used as they should be used when they are fully grown. Make sense? Let me show you. Uh, I want to show you a couple pictures. I saw this picture of this little dog. Okay, now... (laughs) Just look at the size of this dog, not too much bigger than a, than a coat can. Okay, this dog is not going to, you know, uh, drag sleds in Alaska. Uh, this dog is not going to, you know, save people from a drowning river. So you think, okay, what can you do with a dog this size? Well, it can be a companion, for example. A companion, I've seen these on the airplane, you probably have to. I don't know if you've ever had stuffed peppers with chihuahuas, but uh, you could um, <laughs> you could do that. I didn't say cook it, all right. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> and finally, I think they have this at Subway. Uh, you could I mean <laughs> it's just an idea. <laughs> They had that at Refa Palooza yesterday. I don't know if you <laughs> What if God wanted you to be a rescue dog? But the size of where we're at can only fit in a hot dog bun, you see? There are expectations that God has, and the expectations is because he has a purpose. And the purpose is just not like, oh, daggone it, you haven't grown. No, I have a great purpose. I have designed you for a great purpose. One of my close friends, we spoke this week about, like, how many times are we going to sit in a church service without saying, man, God has designed me to do something. God has designed me to make an impact. God has designed me. I mean, how many sermons does it take to go? How many sermons does it take to be ready? And sometimes we say, hey, when are we going to do something? Well, let me step on your toes. When are you going to do something? In other words, I'm just guessing you live in a neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood. You're living on mission in your neighborhood. You don't want our whole church to go over to your neighborhood. That'd just be a little weird. Many of you are still working. Some of you are students. There's where God has placed you. Don't wait for the we to do what God has asked you to do. Make makes sense? Yes. In fact, I'm going to propose something to you. I'm going to tip my hand a little bit of where we're working on behind the scenes. In this day and age and this culture you will have more impact where you work and live and play rather than having a church block party here on the corner. But God says, man, I want to use you. So allow me to grow in you because the more you grow, the less you get out of the hot dog bun and the more I can use you in action. Does that make sense? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort, To add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control steadfastness. And to steadfastness godliness, and to godliness brotherly affection, and to brotherly affection love, watch. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that's the design of a creator who made everything to grow. They will keep you from being ineffective, Unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See how that works? So here's so let me go even a step deeper. Then how do we do this? Do we listen to one more sermon? Do we sit in one more church service? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know if you heard this little little child say no. I will pay you your dollar after the service. (laughs) We don't. Let me show you a chart. Everybody sitting in this room and everybody sitting at home or everybody sitting in their car listening right now, this is the way your life looks. There are some things that are incomplete in you and me. Some things that God hasn't finished with. God is still growing. God is still calling. God is still bothering. God is still ringing that doorbell. They still want to work on that. God is still nudging. God is using other people in our life. He uses the word of God. He uses the people of God. He uses the Holy Spirit of God to work in us, not to work on the things that we already have down, okay? Okay. We, we have certain things down. I'm a pretty disciplined guy. God doesn't have to work on me to get up early in the morning, have some time with him. It's just a thing I do, I've done it for years. But I've got a whole other chunk of my pie chart that God is still working on. Take time, listen, breathe a little bit, spend time with people. Don't always be about the task, Steve, but see, that's me. That's my incomplete thing that God is working on and churning and massaging and nudging and bothering and ringing my doorbell and saying, hey, how about that part, Steve? Can we get out of the hot dog bun? Let's, let's grow. Why? Because I got, a, I got a deeper purpose for you, see? So when I read these passages, watch. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We train all over the world, and this is a key passage. And I've given you the second half. The first half says we need to speak to the truth to each other in love. We need to, to grow in our courage. So I, I, got a, I got a word I need to say to you. Why? Because in Ephesians 4.15, here's what we say. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. But if, we all, if you don't have someone who's willing to speak the truth into your life, Most likely, you only remain incomplete. You you need it. I need it. And I even highly recommend it's someone other than your spouse. See the smile? (laughs) What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying your spouse and you don't talk about the things you need to grow in, but let's just face it. It's tough sometimes, right? When you when like, well, there's that thing again. There's that thing again. We have seen so many marriages helped by a man speaking to a husband and saying, hey, let's you and I talk. See, I, there's not going to be any friction here. This is going to be honesty. And we've had so many wives say, wow, w- w- recently, what are you doing to my husband? Just being honest. Well, you're talking about the same thing. I know. But let me take some pressure off your shoulders so that older men can teach younger men and older women can teach younger women. So that someone who has gone through the teenage years can talk to a mom and say, look, you're not losing your mind. Okay, it's not you. How many times have my wife and I been helped by someone whose kids are like 23, 24, 25 when our kids have been, you know, 15, 16 and just pushing back a wee bit and they're going to say, it's going to be okay. Here's some things you might do, and here's some things you need to do. At one point, you need to stop being a parent and you need to be a coach. At one point, you need to stop being a coach and being a consultant. And when they get to a certain age, hey, you got to have input, but you got to wait. It's a timing thing. You know where we learned that from? We learned it from other people who love us enough to be honest. That's how we grow. God does not just put one plant. But it, watch, here's the big word for the day. He pollinates us. We need pollinating. Turn to whoever you're with right now and say, you need pollinating. <laughs> yeah, there's a husband and wife fight going on right there in row three. That's uh yeah, just the way she said it. You need pollinating. <laughs> Watch this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. I had to recently name my top three Bible verses in the Bible. This is one of them. Because I just think it helps us to be, to recalibrate our mission. Here it is. In Christ, it is Christ that we proclaim. This is evangelism. This is pre-conversion uh, discipleship. It is Christ who we proclaim. Watch now. Discipleship. Warning everyone admonishing some versions have one another, and teaching everyone and always, and why? So that at the end, we may present everyone mature, complete, in Christ. You'll never grow. You'll never grow in your faith unless you have these things. I made a little list. Because sometimes when, as a pastor, we'll talk about growth, you think, okay, I know what you mean, I need to read my Bible more. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but let me just... Give some subtle things. How about story collecting? How are you at that? What does that mean, story collecting? What I mean by that is how are you, are you a good listener? Because I have found in life such an open door in the gospel if I just shut up first and I listen. And I'm talking about collecting to the third and the fourth and the fifth layer. Well, Well, then what happened after that? See, so I had to go to Ohio and Cincinnati, and uh, man, I tell you, we had to go to this hospital up there in Cincinnati, and then often here's the, here's a the follow-up. You know, I got a cousin in Cincinnati. I don't really care. You know what I mean? When someone says, "Hey, I got to go to the hospital in Cincinnati, oh, I got a cousin in Cincinnati. Okay. How about we talk about your cousin? You see what I'm getting at? These are subtle things that, well, th- wow, what's happening? Well, when did that start? How does that make you feel? Are you afraid? And I'll tell you what, when I get there, Christ gives me great peace. You see how that goes? It's called giving a flip. Maybe it's in there somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> Maybe God would say, hey, slow down and care. Care about the person next to you. Care about the person next to where you live. Care about the person, and watch what happens. Maybe God would grow that in you. Let's not just be so theological that we trip over the life stuff at times. How about being an investor? What time would you take? What time would make you inconvenient to invest in someone else's life? What time would it take for you to, to be more temperant, to be more patient, I just was talking to a, a married couple and they, we, we had some counseling and, and the guy went into a thing. It was all the other, it was all his wife fought. He said, you know, we, the counselor said, you got to be patient. You're, you're saying this is what you said, but what did you mean? Ask, what did you mean by that? And it's going amazing because there was just some patience that God wanted to grow. How about conflict resolution? How are you going to, uh, who loves a conflict, right? Nobody loves a conflict. How are you doing? How would God want to grow you and make you more Christ-like in resolving conflict? You see how many assignments we have right in front of us that God could say, man, I want you to grow in that area. Because if you could grow in any one of those areas, maybe we're at level C. See, I get to take you to level D, and once you grow to level D, man, I got you to level because I have something in Z that I really, really, really want to use you for. But you're miniaturizing yourself at level C by refusing to grow. You see how that goes? I want a fig on that tree. I want that stock to be invested. Let, let me let me kind of uh, kind of uh, close it down by this. I was just I was thinking about music. Um, this past week, and for those of you who don't know music, it, there's only seven letters in the musical alphabet. That's probably all they thought we could handle. A, A through G, so it goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then starts over, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then, uh, and then if you count the black notes on the keyboard, for example, there's only 12. Now with only seven different letter names, think about the incredible volume of music we have. From Gregorian, Gregorian chant to Rachmaninoff to Taylor Swift to um, Rap Mute no it didn't have any notes. Uh no, skin <laughs> <kidding. Just> <laughs> country western music. It's got three notes. again. <laughs> I know that's a bigger one, so that sensitive <laughs> all the music bluegrass jazz r&b i mean all the music seven letters then i thought about the colors you know there are only three primary colors which are yellow and blue and red only three but then they begin to combine and when you have like when you have what's called 24 bit there's over 16 million different colors when you go to 32 bit don't you understand what that is, there are 4.2 billion different colors. Wow! God is a creator. 4.2 billion, but don't get overwhelmed because human beings can only perceive 10 million. Here's what, I want to Here's what I'm saying to you. Everybody sitting in this room has got such a nuanced, different personality. And we can't trip over the very things, the nuanced things, the shades of color. What is God? But it requires us leaning in and say, God, give me one subtle thing that you want to change in me this week. Let me be a better listener so I can be, I can communicate the gospel. Let me resolve conflict. Let me not fly off the handle. Whatever that thing is, this is where God is drawing you if you have exchanged your old life for Christ's new one. Maybe, I, maybe I'm waiting on the church to do something. Wait a minute. I am the church. Maybe Christ is calling me to do something on my own. We close with this verse, 1 Corinthians 3.6. Paul says, hey, I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it. Watch, but God made it grow. You know? Do you know what kind of plant there is? A kind of plant that 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 never grows. Have you ever heard of that plant? It, it never grows. I mean, it never. From the minute it was created, the plant never grows. I know it sounds strange in the context of what we've been talking about. I, I brought a picture of it. It's out in the back. It's an artificial plant. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the work of my. This is my handiwork. This is out in my back patio. To be honest with you, this is an earlier picture. Somehow all the leaves uh, have fallen off. The plastic. The only kind of plant that doesn't grow is an artificial plant. The only kind of Christ follower that doesn't grow, grow is an artificial one. I don't know about you. I kind of want to be the real deal. I wonder what God's nudging, ringing, pushing encouraging you today. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you today for this reminder of our an, another layer of our design, another layer of our purpose. God, thank you for this family today that have surrendered their son who is surrendering to you today, Lucas. And I uh, thank you for that picture in us to see such a a new young man uh, new in his faith and all the all the expectations you have for him as you do us god no matter if we're 6 or 7 or 8 or we're 67 or 88 because we understand god that you have designed us to use us and that we need each other so desperately to pollinate one another and to speak truth into one another's lives. Thank you, God, for planting us in a garden and not in the desert. Thank you, God, that the, the scene was a garden, God, where other plants could be entangled and grow with other plants. And, God, we need you, and we need the body of Christ, others speaking into us, speaking truth to those incomplete parts so easy god to want to lean into the parts that are already pretty strong sometimes it's quite uncomfortable to lean into those parts that are not working so well so in the quietness of this moment god would you could we ask that your holy spirit surface some things that miraculously you bring things even right now to mind Maybe this is that one thing, just for this week, to be less timid, to be a better listener, to be more of a story collector, to to have more patience in a relationship, to be stronger in a relationship, to set boundaries. God, we we know, Father, that you have great purpose for us. Father we thank you God for those who have come that are trying to figure you out. And thank you God that you you figured us out before we could figure you out. You've made us, you've created us, you've designed us. You know our thoughts, you know our bent toward independence away from you. You know our privacy. God, you know our you know our needs. You know our attempts at trying to make ourselves right with you. And yet through all of that muck and mire, the chaos in which this earth started, God, you still, over and over, you step in. So we pray, God, for those who've come today and and that surprisingly, maybe, unexpectedly for them, those words just really deeply resonate because they recognize that there's there's a gap between them and, and you. And just as we close here in just a minute or two, let me just say, as we're in prayer, if that's you, so many of us so deeply empathize and resonate with where you're at, trying to figure out where God is. God has never moved. In fact, God came to us through Jesus Christ, who walked this earth as the savior of the world, the only one who lived a sinless life. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. What does that mean? That means there's nothing we can do, no great effort, no religious effort that we can do enough of that we can be right with God. It all depends on Christ. Christ died on the cross, he shed the blood of, a, of the perfect, as the perfect lamb of God, to cover all of our sins, to mysteriously take, to absorb all of our sins, all of our brokenness, all of our mistakes, so that we can come before a perfect and holy God. And he looks through those lenses, if we've taken that, that, our trust and put it in Christ alone. So let me ask you this simple question do you want to be right with god do you want to be at peace with god then it's a transfer it's an exchange of trust whatever you're trusting in in, something, and you're trusting in something yourself your behavior your religion your spirituality comparing yourself to others you're better than a lot of other people in the world all those things we we all Human beings trust in those things to be okay with God. And right now, God's sending a different message to you. Those will never make you right with me, God would say to you. Trust in my son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of all your sins. And I will give you peace and we will be at peace with one another. So right now, in your own raw heart language, why not? Transfer your trust in anything or anyone else and say, I trust in Christ right now. God, I trust in Christ alone. Here is my life imperfect and I turn it in. I surrender it. I exchange my old life and in turn, God, would you ignite a new life in me? Is that your prayer? Is that the place you find yourself in? Maybe again, unexpectedly today. But God is drawing you. Listen carefully. God is drawing you. Say yes to Christ. Just like Lucas has, like his parents have. Alex and Jerry, just, just like they have. Just like so many sitting in this room. Maybe you're sitting at home right now and you're on your sofa. Maybe you're sitting in a car listening to this later in the week. Maybe you're at work. Maybe you're on lunch break. It doesn't matter where you're at. Right now, you, you have this desire to be right with the one who created you. Speak to him. I trust in Christ alone. Thank you so much, Father, for designing us in such a brilliant way and a way to grow. And we want to, to live up to the purpose that, for which you've designed us, God. So thanks for reminding us of that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.